0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Stand Up Tragedy podcast. My name's Dave, and I'm your host, and we are here at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival as part of the PBH Free Fringe. I'm standing in Stand Up Tragedy HQ, which is a kitchen slash front room. There is bacon frying, there is audio being edited, there are people stapling flyers. This is a hotbed of tragic operations. What we do at Stand Up Tragedy is we stand up and we do tragedy. And we've been doing that in the Edinburgh Festival at the Fiddler's Elbow from the 3rd to the 14th of August. Tomorrow is our last night and we have Simon Munnery, Nat Lertsema, Casual Violence, Lucy Ayrton and Super Bard, which is one of the best lineups we've had all fringe. And you should absolutely come along and tell your friends to come along. It's gonna be a really good one. At our nights, performers explore tragic ideas that they might not get to try in their usual performances. And we love it when they really take on board the idea of what our night is about and try and make something truly tragic. Dan Simpson, as his Twitter account will tell you, is a poet and his brilliant show, We Are All Orange Ghosts, which he's doing as part of the PBH Free Fringe, uses the orange ghost from Pac-Man as a metaphor for people feeling alienated and othered by life and he performed extracts of this show for us yesterday at the fiddler's elbow. Let's listen to that and then we'll hear him explain to our producer Bryony the personal message he's trying to share with the audience and how they've responded to it.
1: Uh, So I want to start with the tragedy of Pac-Man because there are four ghosts in Pac-Man. A red one a pink one, a blue one, and an orange one. I have a lot of sympathy for the orange ghost in Pac-Man. Their names in Japanese are a Pink pinkai, Aisuke, and gazuta. Translated, that means red guy, pink guy, blue guy, and slow guy. <laughs> slow guy, slow orange ghost. Their characteristics in Japanese are oikake, mashibushi, Kibogure, and otoboke. Translated, that means chaser. Ambusher. Fickle. And stupid. (laughs) Stupid. Stupid slow orange ghost. Other names they've been given are Urchin, Romp, Stylist, and Crybaby. Crybaby. Stupid slow crybaby orange ghost. In America they're called Blinky, Pinky, Inky, and Clyde. (laughs) Clyde, stupid, slow, crying baby orange ghost who's not allowed to fit in with the other ghosts with a name that rhymes. Because you're rubbish, orange ghost. You were never good enough for your father, were you? It was failed to get A grades in school and you never learned to play guitar like you said you would. You were the odd one out in your family, mainly because you're orange. And now you're stuck in a dead-end job, pursuing a string of loveless relationships and paying for a mortgage on a house that you don't even like. But don't be blue. Because you can't be blue, can you, Orange Ghost? For one day you will show them Orange Ghost. You will break out of your shell like a little orange duckling. You will grow into a beautiful orange swan. Stretch your hopes as far as your wingspan and reach for the skies. Achieving flight on an airstream made of more than inert gas. An airstream made of fulfilled ambition and your own power. And if you don't, Orange Ghost, then I will always be there for you. And that's a pact. Man. Thank you very much. (laughs) The tragedy of Clyde. Um, Yes, yes, he's the odd one out of all the ghosts. And all those names are true, and it's true that Clyde is kind of the picked-on odd one out of all the ghosts in a game of Pac-Man. Um... Uh, And, yes, that's entirely what my show is about, essentially. Don't we all feel like that at times? Don't we feel like our coding is wrong, uh, that we are named differently? Um, So, yes, uh, I kind of felt all that growing up quite a lot. Um, I I, I uh, felt a lot of difficulty in my life. Um, I was a little bit bullied at school, and, you know, it's something a a lot of us undergo, I suppose. uh, You know, um, it wasn't anything serious. It wasn't physical. It was just sort of name-calling, a little bit of social isolation. And, as I say, you know, sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will leave me psychologically scarred for life. Um, And you know, this happens, Uh, it happens to a lot of us. Um, But I made some weird decisions as a kid, uh, and I kind of felt they set me off down this path to unhappiness, Um, and this kind of manifested in strange ways. Um, So I'm gonna sort of tell you a story about uh, one of these ways that this unhappiness manifested, I suppose. uh, there's a little bit of archaic terminology in the poem. Uh, I think maybe I need to probably define a couple of the words. I think it's important as a poet, a communicator type person, for everybody to understand what the words are. So, uh, the first word in the piece you may not know is videotape. Um, so this is a videotape, um, and uh, these are this is a cassette. Uh, and with, with within the tape is magnetic tape. Uh, within the cassette is magnetic tape, and on that tape is audio uh, and visuals. Um, And basically, these were the only ways to record, uh, sort of, uh, you know, whatever you wanted on TV uh, and watch films and stuff. Because this is years ago. This is before the internet and YouTube. You know, before maybe you had a laptop and could just bring it up to the privacy of your own bedroom and you know, load up whatever it is you wanted to watch on that uh, laptop. Um, And these were played on what was called a VHS, um, which also makes an appearance in the poem. Um. So yeah, this is uh, with all all that in mind. uh, this, This is called guilty pleasures. I'm 13 and becoming aware that something is changing. I'm thinking of things I never thought about before, worrying about things I never worried about before, imagining things I never imagined before. I have this urge to... Okay, well, I'll tell you what happened. It's 1am and I'm sneaking downstairs, videotape in hand, excuses at the ready for when my parents catch me. I've borrowed it from a friend, stuffed into my school bag where it's been burning a hole in my head since lunchtime. I take the three steps from the living room door to the TV, press the switch, controlling the swift spring back sound with a little pressure from my index, turn, use the warming up glow from the screen to locate the controller, grab it and hit mute, just as the screen bursts into colour, but crucially, before the sound comes on. And I freeze, listening for movement from upstairs. Silence. Good. But now, the dangerous part, the VCR. Has mankind invented a process as loud as the ejection or insertion of a tape into a player? Eject ka-chunk, insert ka-chunk, rewinding starts like the whine of a jet engine, sound filling the whole house, knocking down the walls, blowing off the roof, causing cracks in the earth, the rumble of a nuclear explosion pulsating out until it stops, back to the beginning of the tape. I pause again, listening for any sound from upstairs. And this is something I've been anticipating all day, my adolescent imagination running over possibilities about what I may see and hear and experience. So I unmute the TV. I turn the sound just down to three bars, maybe just two bars, one bar of sound. And I press play. Star Trek. Thank you, um, Yeah, Star Trek I was sneaking down to see. I'm not sure what you may, may have thought it was. <laughs> um, it was definitely Star Trek. Um, thank you. That was guilty pleasures. Just yes. <laughs> So yeah, so I made these weird decisions and it manifested in these ways. That's only over. really a slight over-exaggeration of what I really did uh, in my life. I, I did secretly record science fiction programs because I was ashamed and worried and embarrassed about what other people might think of me. And that's a ridiculous way to be. And, and it can make you very unhappy when you're denying and part of yourself. um, I was in denial, ladies and gentlemen, and I was in denial about being a geek. Uh, And it's a ridiculous thing, because I've taken a show up to Edinburgh all about (laughs) Um, Pac-Man. Yeah, and and it made me very unhappy. Um, And one of the other ways it kind of made me unhappy, uh, in later in life, I think, um, by denying these parts of myself, I I found it very hard to talk to people I fancied, because, you know, when you can't accept yourself, how can you ever get on with someone else? Um, And I heaped all this pressure on myself. when talking to girls I liked. Um, and this is kind of a quick, short poem, uh, which kind of sums up that feeling. You know, when, when you're in school, when those adolescent, you know, when those hormones are raging through your system uh, and, and everything seems alive and wonderful and crazy and difficult all at the same time. Um, I tried to, I've tried to capture that in a quick snapshot. Um, maybe one of the negative things about this poem is that it's set in southeast London. Um, uh, this is called After the Last Day of School at Bexley Heath Clock Tower. By the clock tower bus station, school leavers are waiting, blazing with anticipation, blazers slung over shoulders, emblazoned bags and work folders, lazily flung to the floor. Ties no longer knotted, not top notch, a botched job peanutted. nutted. Shirts half stuck in trousers, half untucked. Boys dumbstruck by blouses, girls skirts given short shrift, shifted up by inches over hours, rules forever flouted. A golden moment ignites amazing and bright to the temperature raised their brazen, emboldened by sunlight, controlled fight or flight, holding such life. they move on Thank you. <laughs> oh, I got an, ah that's very nice. I'm an time uh, two minutes okay. Uh, I got over that um, kind of issue with girls though so, and uh, so I think I'll end with a love poem. it's three minutes. is that okay? Thank you Um <clears throat> I realise my voice is very knackered, by the way, as well. Um, cool. Normally it's not so husky. Um, right, so a uh, I f- I, I quick end up with a love poem, I think. Um, OK, no, not a poem. Sorry. A poem about maths. It goes like this. I love the curvature of your waveform, the way you diverge from the norm. I want to bring you to boiling point because too hot is not too warm. And when we touch, it's an electric storm, and you're the lightning conductor to my heightening thunder sound. You're the earth and my life why are You keep me on the ground. If you were described by numbers, they would all be primes. But like Heisenberg, you're uncertain of where we are sometimes. So this verse is in a language that you can understand, bringing maths and poetry together in double helix strands. You see, we've been carbon dating for a while, and sure, it made you smile. Instead. Statistically speaking, I'd make you laugh, sooner or later. So the line on my mental graph paper that represented how I felt about you had an upward trajectory. Marking X's against the X-axis, I plot points, and Y. Well, because X marks the spot where two lines intersect, connect in a future perfect tense, tell a story predicted by the focus of the locus, but this isn't magic. It's not hocus-pocus because you have no need for the supernatural, whereas I'm odd, I'm not always logical, and sometimes even my numbers are irrational. But you were the right angle for me, a cute reality to my obtuse literacy, not an abstract. And you pivot on moments like these. Affected by Brownian motion, we dance like particles, and I have this notion that I'm the definite article to your theoretical hypothesis, the words to your mathematics, for this is my medium of transmission. And I'm no paranormal magician that rules in writing too, creating literary fiction through rhyme addition, division of lines to ease transition, multiplying meaning by verb position, subtraction of words made more powerful by omission. No, it's not a precise science, but there is a method to it. For example, electrons flow between two polar points. I am the North and you the South. We can't help but be attracted. And we reacted like water and sulfur to form a compound substance. You plus me equals us. And chemistry is undeniable, like electromagnetism or gravity. And though there are sparks of volatility, ours is not a weak but a strong nuclear force. And in all probability, this is how we'll always be, because when we deviate, It's anything but standard a sign that we're meant to be physical with our biology and maybe I'm going off on a tangent here, but pressed together, our contact force is not normal. Cosmic strings vibrate in harmonious commotion and when we oscillate in our simple harmonic motion I think that maybe one day we'll propagate, but that's in the future, in our fourth dimension. I don't want to upset the equilibrium, I don't want to cause any tension because our equation is balanced. You're the constant variable in my life, the quantity for which I did not factor. You keep me powered, you turn me on, you are my chain reactor, the dark matter. I do not fully understand the bright colors on my spectral band. You are pure mathematics. But applied together, we are poetry in motion. Thank you very much.
0: stand up, tragedy
1: I had a lot of fun at Stand Up Tragedy. So I did kind of the core heart stuff of my show, um, which is, there's some funny stuff in there, but it's actually quite serious. And it's really nice to be able to do that serious stuff and not have the expectations of jokes and things. Um, Not that you kind of get that necessarily at spoken Word Nights anyway, but... I'm generally a comedic poet, I definitely do quite a few jokes and punchlines in my poems so it's quite nice to have a bit more space to actually just not do that, so yeah, lovely, I had a really good time.
2: What struck me the most from your performance is that in your show you try and teach people something, would that be true?
1: Yeah, absolutely, and my kind of opening, after the initial poem about the Orange Ghost from Pac-Man, uh, I have this whole piece which is about kind of saying that it's about the Orange Ghost and Pac-Man and I kind of immediately say no actually it's not just about Pac-Man it's actually about me uh, and then I kind of immediately brush that off and say actually no it's about making myself universal and it's about making my experiences something we can all relate to. Um, the kind of initial idea for it came about from the Orange Ghost being programmed differently to the other ghost so he doesn't really fit in uh, and I kind of thought we all feel like that at times. So I kind of found a few of my own experiences which uh, these weird decisions I made, these things I decided to do that made me unhappy and made me feel like I didn't fit in with other people um, but then I realized that's how we all feel anyway. So even though they're my experiences and my personal things that happened, uh, I think we can all relate to them with our own, yeah, our own growing up stories, our own experiences of, uh, yeah, alienation and all that stuff. Have you ever had anybody come up to you and acknowledge that? To- yeah, no, very much so. I, I've, had, I've had some really lovely audiences, and I've had some really lovely people come up to me and say, uh, I did my Weird Decisions poem tonight, um, which is about these weird decisions I made when I was 8, 9, and 10 years old. Um, in retrospect, they seem really strange and odd, uh, and they kind of set me down a path um, that I think made me unhappy later. Um, I had a, I've had a few people come up and say that one really spoke to them, and they kind of said, yeah, these are the weird decisions I made when I was young. And it was really... And it just made me realise that yeah, there is universal stuff going on there that we all do make these strange decisions, and and we question ourselves. And often that simply by itself can make us unhappy.
2: Um, have you is there anybody who's influenced you to think about um, performances like this? Ooh. Uh,
1: so. Sure. sure. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, not uh, like I'm trying to think. Not overtly. I'm. I mean, I, I've got lots of people I look up to on the poetry circuit, uh, and. I think what I try to to do, normally I'm quite detached from my work. Normally I'm quite detached from what I write. It's it's often a lot of wordplay. It's rhythmic. It's not necessarily coming from uh, a place which is, um, it's honest, but it's not sort of, you know, confessional in that same way that this show is. And when I came to write this show, I thought, well, actually, I want to try something different. I want to push myself a bit. And even though I'm talking about Pac-Man and using that as a big metaphor, there's, there's some real stories from myself. So, yeah, it's a little bit more confessional um, that, that than that my normal stuff. Um, good. It's, it's felt really, uh, yeah, it, it, I definitely found it a challenge at first. And I, I've been speaking to a few people who have sort of confessional type shows uh, and they say it's hard to not apologize. It's hard to say, look, I'm really sorry I'm talking about myself. Um, and it's actually okay, as long as you do it in a way which isn't about your arrogance and your ego, it's not in a way that's inflating yourself, it's in a way that's, again, making yourself universal, then, yeah, it's absolutely fine, I think. Um, and audiences go with it, as long as the entire show isn't, hey, look at me, or, look at all my stuff for an hour, then, you know, that maybe is a bit far, but um, no, audiences do respond to it, yeah, for sure.
0: Everybody in the Stand Up Tragedy team loved Dan's show and I really recommend you get along to see it. It's not there for very many more days, it's there till the 18th, so get along to the Fiddler's Elbow downstairs, Venue 71, same as ours, 2.45pm, properly recommend it. Dan's been great, he's been hosting and performing, real inspiration in the way that he gets up and he goes out and he really pushes his show and he has a great show to push. There's lots of great shows like Dan's and like Stand Up Tragedy, which are part of the PBH Free Fringe. And you should really get hold of one of the booklets if you're in Edinburgh and have a read through and see all of the amazing shows that you can see for free in this beautiful city that we are in now. And ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce you now to the Stand Up Tragedy team who are going to be sharing with you their picks of the Fringe. My name's
1: Andy, and I'm the press officer and occasional performer with Stand Up Tragedy. And the best thing I've seen on PBH's Free Fringe is Peter Buckley Hill and some comedians XV11. Um, it just so happens that on the night I saw it, there was no Peter Buckley Hill, but I'm sure it'd be even better if he was part of it. But it just had a really good lineup of comedians, everyone was on form, the audience was lovely, packed house, lots of laughs.
2: My name is Una O'Leary, I am a performer and I've been helping out with stand-up tragedy uh, for the IndieGoGo campaign as well as on the Royal Mile with flyering. The one that captured my heart was Captain Morgan and the sands of time, my God, they do not need any more audience members. They should even be turning away audience members and sending them to other places like us. I don't know, but it's so good, it's so good. It was just delightful.
1: I'm Harv. I do The Attack for Stand-Up Tragedy, and the best thing I've seen has been um, Richard Tyrone Jones blacking up on um, Test Tube Comedy.
2: I'm Liz, I'm one of the co-producers, or father, as I am known to the team i have a number of picks many of which have been already mentioned but i will just highlight the pbh free fringe spoken words action which i think has been an outstanding quality and i've just seen so many things that i think are brilliant Um, for one dan simpson's we are all orange ghosts was amazing um i saw the the scottish storytelling in the afternoon at the same venue at the Fiddler's Elbow that Caleb is doing, which I'd also really recommend. I would also recommend Sophia Walker. I haven't seen her show yet, but I've seen much of her work and I know that that's great. Um, Jem Rolls' show, uh, aggressive and brilliant. James Mackay, one of the most soothing, relaxing, and brilliant experiences of listening to poetry I've ever had. Um, The Other Voices Cabaret that Faye Roberts does was also really just outstanding. And then we saw two shows that are no longer running, um, Stealing the Moon and the Antisocial Network, um, which were both just really intimate portrayals done through spoken word of very complex periods, in in, in this case both female performers' lives, um, which I would recommend just anything that both of those ladies are doing.
0: We've got more tragedy to come across the whole of August on this podcast, which will be coming out every day until the 26th. You can find us on SoundCloud, iTunes and the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Go over to our website, www.standuptragedy.co.uk to find out about all of the things we're doing. Check out our tragedy. You can follow us on Twitter at standup for tragedy. And you can friend us on Facebook, like us on Facebook. We want to connect with you. We want to share tragedies with you. So use the hashtag tragic moments to do that and we'll retweet you or we'll share your pictures or your videos or whatever you've got to give us. And for now, the tragedy is over. This podcast was produced by Briony Hawkins with audio production from Stephen Harvey. The music comes from Sam Wilkinson, who you can email at radiojuan at gmail.com. The rest of the music was produced by George Brufton, written by the Reactionaries, with added bagpipes from Vaughan Granding. I'm Dave, I'm your host, and the tragedy is once again over. It's time to go.